0: The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all. At TNTradio.live Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT.
1: Hello and welcome to the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk. Thank you for joining me. It is always appreciated. I hope you had a wonderful weekend and we're all ready for a brand spanking new week. I know I am. Just to say, if you would like to contact me, please email me at soniapoulton at tntradio.live. On Friday, I commented on 100 Asda stores going cashless. I just want to point out that this is currently only the Asda petrol stations but people seem to think this is a positive thing it's like it's only the petrol stations it's not it's a distinction almost without a difference they're trying us first at the pumps then your weekly shop vote with your wallets people and i want to start the show by having a look around our world really and i invite you to tell me what's going on in your part of the world as i say please feel free to contact me on email or on x or on instagram or wherever you can find me and uh, i i note with great alarm, and as many people have, that uh, there has been some issues regarding the United Nations aid agency to Gaza. Obviously on Friday we had the ICJ's um, refusal to throw out a potential case of genocide against Israel and now Israel like the day after, claimed that seven United Nation workers from the UN Agency for Palestine Refugees were involved in the October 7th Hamas attack and as a consequence, aid has been like very seriously suspended to gaza at the last count um us uk canada australia japan germany and italy have withdrawn their assistance this this particular aid agency is feeding starving people in pa- in palestine okay in gaza turkey is one of the few countries expressing alarm at this decision if i didn't know better i would say this looks like revenge for the icj decision are the, all these countries really going to be complicit in starving these children. I mean, it's just horrendous stuff. And talking about horrendous stuff, you know how we often talk about how net zero is a scam? Well, it's also killing industry. And I want to use as an example, a steelworks in Wales that has announced they are going to be cutting up to 2,800 jobs. And that will go at the main site in Port Talbot. And the company is Tata. And it said it's going to be shutting down both its coal-fired blast furnaces, which will be replaced with low CO2 electric arc furnaces by 2027. And this move will require fewer staff to operate it. And there are concerns that this will have a great impact on British manufacturing as a whole, because the steel that is actually rendered at this particular plant is virgin steel that is used in British British motor manufacturing. So does that mean the British car industry is going to go up? as well. And, uh, you know, because the thing is, is that the net zero electric arc furnaces cannot produce that virgin steel. All it can do is recycle steel instead. And guess what? The government have backed this move. Um, The British state will contribute 500 million to the plan and Tata estimate it's going to cost them about 1.25 billion in total. And some go as far as to say, that this is actually a potential security issue because what we will end up doing is relying on imported steel. And as the independent newspaper reports, the decision will leave Britain as the only G20 nation with no first-class steel production capability. And that's really something to consider, I say. And the other thing, very alarming, Mark Porritt. good morning to you, Mark. A regular viewer writes to me, he says, it appears things are not calming down anytime soon. It's like the West really want to cause a war with Russia. And he refers me to the announcement that the Pentagon have drawn up contracts for a UK airbase to store US nuclear weapons. This is at RAF Lakenheath in Suffolk. This is the first time in 15 years, and the justification is due to a rising threat from Russia. And it's reported that the weapons are three times as strong as the Hiroshima bomb. And uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm alarmed, deeply alarmed. On some good news, Spain is introducing rent controls for the more dense populated areas. Um, Up to 6 million people are going to be impacted by this. I am personally all for rent controls. Let me know what you think. Um, This will be... This will start taking effect from this very week. I think it's excellent news personally. Um, It's going to impact 80% of Catalonia's population and will include the metropolitan area of Barcelona. I love the sound of that. I remember having a rent control conversation on a British TV show with a British broadcaster, Nick Ferrari, you may have heard of him. And he was like, who brought the communists on Um, when I was saying we really should have rent control? But uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea and certainly not landlords, as uh, as you can imagine. Right. That is a brief roundup from me. I just want to take a short break and we'll be back shortly with Gemma Cooper.
2: Conversations to inform and include.
1: It's meant for everyday people to understand.
0: Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: And I am here with Gemma Cooper on this Monday morning. How are you, Gemma?
3: Yes, yes, Sonia. In the face of relentless negative headlines about all sorts of things, one of which you just touched on, actually, about nuclear weapons, U.S. nuclear weapons coming back to the U.K., you know, this this has got all echoes of the Cold War, which uh, you know you and I will remember well from the 1980s, and you remember Greenham Common and all the sit-in protests. And I was briefly talking about that with. uh, Mackin just an hour ago, as we kicked off the kind of UK arm of the TNT broadcasting team here this morning. Um, but there are loads of other things which I wonder I've seen in the headlines this morning at uh, the escalating level of violence, especially knife crime here in the UK. And you kind of wonder if this is a, been a problem and now it's being reported more, so we're seeing it more, um, or whether it is increasing because the pressure cooker of like fear, uh, the, the, the cost of living, there's all sorts of pressures on people and they're just flipping. Uh, I've seen so many headlines this morning, UK headlines, but I'm sure that this type of um, uh, what's the word, pressure, I suppose, that's led to this type of behavior would not be just unique to the UK. So just if we do a roundup of headlines, in Bristol, which is in my neck of the woods, the West Country here in England, um, the two two kids over the weekend stabbed to death in the street. It's caused huge, huge headlines. Two people have been arrested, um, but stabbed to death in the street in West, which is a part of Bristol I do know fairly well. Um, and we've also got the um, sentencing review into the man that was pleaded guilty to manslaughter, by diminished responsibility last week. That's uh, Valdo Calacane, who stabbed three people in Nottingham last year um, and pleaded mental illness, said he's schizophrenic, said his condition, his family and friends said his condition worsened dramatically uh, once lockdown started. And that's what led to a catalogue of violence, actually. And then eventually three people uh, were stabbed to death. There's a a sentence review into that. Even the attorney general's looking into it and the family say he got away with murder. Not only that, there's a headline this morning about a 37-year-old beautician who stormed away into her 35-year-old neighbor's home uh, on the premise that she was somehow the neighbor was involved in child abuse. And the 37-year-old beautician stormed away into the home and strangled her to death in a frenzy. Apparently, she lost all control and grip of reality and just killed this woman outright. Um, So these headlines are dominating more and more along with, as you rightly um, allude to, about the looming threat of World War III. And you wonder are the two things linked? You know we're, we're living in this climate of fear, and it's almost well, it's four years ago since we had threats of another global, you know, um, a threat of another global issue, which was the scam and now January it's exactly the same 2024 we've got threats of world war 3 and it's it's got all the echoes of something that happened 4 years ago the language is the same we need to be prepared for this threat be prepared for this global enemy that's the, that's the rumblings that were coming out of china 4 years ago there's something happening in the world we need to be prepared it's exactly the same now and i think this is a, a, a much kind of needed by the system a control mechanism for us to be worried about world war 3 in the uk to be worried about the possibility of conscription which we talked about on tnt Last week, the possibility of you know, nuclear warheads coming back to UK soil, ramping up some kind of fear mechanism whereby once again we will all begin to do what we are told. And I touched on it very briefly with Dean Mackin at the top of the last hour. But they're talking about, you know, in a war, there'll be shortages. In a war, there'll be travel restrictions. In a war, you know, you have to do what you're told. And you'll justify it by it's for the greater good, because you know, we're at war. And it's very much the language that was similar to the scandemic four years ago of like, you know, for the greater good, it's a threat we all have have to pull together it's an invisible enemy you know act like you've got it act like your neighbor's got it it's all the hallmarks of a control mechanism coming back uh, whether we're actually heading for the deployment of real nuclear weapons i very much doubt that because that's it that's game over for the human race even if the leaders you know s- s- sneak out of their bunkers and survey the landscape there's nobody to rule over and that's what they really want so i don't think it's that i think it is that this kind of the last 4 years didn't quite go as they planned uh, we, a lot of people woke up and stood up against the system. But when you're looking at World War Three uh, and, and and enemies and people have taken a very polarizing view on. Uh, The Middle East, people have taken a polarizing view actually on Ukraine, maybe not so much now, but they did at the start with all the Ukrainian flags draped everywhere. But there's just kind of this kind of microcosm, macrocosm uh, effect in the headlines here in the UK this morning that as the pressure ramps up and we're facing another global threat, people literally are turning on each other in the street and breaking into each other's homes and killing each other. There seems to be a collective madness upon us, I think.
1: How troubling. I mean, very troubling when you talk about the woman who stormed into the neighbor's house and accused her of child abuse and then just killed her. And I, I read that as well. She she said it was like, you know, I mean, the it's being reported that she sort of went into this sort of almost temporary insanity. And I mean, all of those things I think are very interesting indeed, because you have to wonder, first of all, what have people been taking? Um, and has any of the, you know, the, the vaccinations that we've been sending objected to much less the the mind control what impact is this having on us and Gemma I have to ask about knife crime a lot of people get very very upset about the knife crime that at the increase in London and blame Sadiq Khan the mayor but it, even though I think he's an awful mayor and I think his priorities are all wrong I don't feel that we can blame him I think that there are other things other factors that are in place do you feel that as a mayor he could be doing more though
3: well, he says he, he says he's doing more, doesn't he? But it's a it's a very widespread problem, not just confined to London. It is across the whole of the UK. And we were the government brought in new legislation last week in the Commons to say, you know, these zombie knives, which are you know are really fashionable and really dangerous and really unpleasant looking, they're going they're going to close the loopholes that that mean that retailers can't sell them. A lot of people are saying that won't work. It, it's it's going to just go underground, and that the loopholes that there still there are still loopholes there. So they're saying it's not really enough and 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 also you know we don't have guns in this country we we have knives that's our big problem and i remember when i was in the mainstream um you know many years ago now it was a knife amnesty uh, and i don't know if you remember that and everyone was encouraged in all police forces around the uk they said listen come in hand in your knives no questions asked and we're just going to try and tackle this problem so people were handing in knives and they were huge Huge machetes, all sorts of things, Um, and eventually, I think the the knives got made into a sculpture, didn't they? And it travelled around the UK. But there were—it was a very big sculpture because there were a lot of knives. So this is a problem that is. It. I wondered. I was thinking, is this something that's being reported more, so we're becoming more aware of it, or is it happening more? And I do think it's happening more. But when you look at a headline this morning, like you know, in Bristol, a a 15 and a 16-year-old stabbed to death—that's two lives snuffed out snuffed out with uh, you know all that potential just about to do your exams gone and the family's lives ruined forever the sentencing review on valdo calicane there were young people stabbed to death and those lives gone forever so it's an escalating problem the trouble is you read the headlines it's very difficult not to your heart doesn't go out to the families and the victims and you just think good goodness me how have we got to this
1: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, there is that old newspaper adage, right? And that is, if it bleeds, it leads. And we both, both of us know that this is something that they they love to adhere to on the front pages. So they've always been pretty much terrorising us. But I do wonder, whether there is an increase in these things. I think some of the figures are very sketchy indeed. And you know, about that conscription thing, wasn't it interesting that we were getting such mixed messaging? Like we were hearing from the minister, oh, you know, this is a really good idea, yet we were hearing from the prime minister, this won't be happening. And I do wonder whether that is part of the plan as well, to send out mixed messaging and see how the public react and respond to it. Do you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. We had two. Obviously, we had the head of the British Army last week saying we have to be prepared. To, to adopt a military mindset in the event of World War Three, which seems, you know, look at the headlines this morning. World War Three is everywhere. I'm seeing pictures of nuclear explosions when I go through news feeds and Holocaust is trending on uh, on social media. So the head of the army comes out and says that. Um, uh, the government at, the government last week said that was supposed to be a private speech at, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a conference that was about uh, military vehicles, but it got leaked. So clearly somebody leaked it. And then, of course, it went everywhere. And then Rishi Sunak comes out and says, no, that will never happen. Well, mm. if it's not ever going to happen? Why is the head of the army warning about it? And then the former head of the army then came out and said, Yeah, we we will probably need something similar to conscription. Well, <laughs> you know, look at what's happened in Ukraine. They're just rounding people up off the streets and taking them into the front lines. And these people are not fit for purpose, you know, and they're coming back deeply traumatized. Um so there is something afoot. Um, And that does seem like gaslighting, what we saw last week. First, the head of the army says, we need to round people up. And then Rishi Sun like, no, 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 it won't happen. Well, the the truth is somewhere in the middle, isn't it? But clearly, They're preparing for something. Global leaders are preparing for something. Biden is saying, you know, he's going to retaliate against uh, the the military personnel uh, around Yemen, uh, and obviously that's Iran. everything's escalating afoot, and it feels like where we were January 2020, where suddenly we had all these kind of this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and and then it did. You know, March 2020, it really did, and I wouldn't wager sometime around the spring equinox this year was his new beginning. Set your intentions for the year ahead. They make an announcement around about, around about March 20th, 22nd, something like that. I reckon we'll get an announcement about global world affairs pertaining to World War Three. Oh, I'm going to make a note in my diary. This has been Gemma Cooper. This
1: is The Sonja Poulton Show on today's News Talk TNT. I will be right back.
0: TNT's Mark Morano. This just in. We have a new way that's proven effective in dealing with climate protesters who deign to block highways, streets and other public areas. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this appears to be the most effective way. We have a uh, we have a field shot, a correspondent on the scene. Let's go to clip four and take a look at how to deal with climate protesters when they block your way on your morning commute. I don't want to see protests shut down, but obviously when you're blocking traffic and you're doing that, you need to be dealt with. I thought this was a great vigilante way of dealing with it. Mark Morano on today's News Talk TNT. as a person to look at, and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! What? Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is gonna be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We are freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. today's news talk news and information tnt radio
1: well my next guests are here to talk with me about the no virus theory in fact they would go further than that and say it's not a theory it's a fact we're of course talking about terrain versus a germ theory and i'm delighted to be joined today by dr mark bailey and dr kevin corbett good morning good evening good night to you both i hope you're both well good morning thank you sonia Thank you so much for joining me today. There's so much talk going on at the moment about disease X. I thought I I need to talk to Kevin and Mark about this. And of course, we've, we've been hit with so much fear mongering lately about the MMR jab from parliament to media, and it's happening in lockstep around the world. You know, we're seeing all these reports saying that, you know, measles are on the rise again. Um, and, uh, and I wanted some feedback from both of you, really. Mark, I'll start with you. Can you tell, tell me, what are, what are your thoughts about disease X that we're hearing so much about, and they discussed at WEF the other week?
6: Well, Sonia, it's hard to believe that it's the year 2024 and the scam's still going. As you know, we started speaking out in 2020 and informed the public that there was no basis whatsoever to COVID-19, there was no new disease, there was no virus. There was nothing to it. We analysed the science right from day one, and found that the whole thing was built up on scientific fraud, essentially. And yet here we go again. So disease X is that this is one of the Eco Health Alliance, uh, you know, Peter pedodastics uh, projects. This is a, just—it's a, even worse than COVID in a way because disease X. They say, oh, it could be anything. You know, it could be any kind of disease and. You know, it could be any virus that springs out of a bat cave in China. And all we need to do is keep pouring all of our resources uh, into these projects. So, you know, it's linked up with the global virome project. Now, these these sorts of uh, things are just complete pseudoscience. They're going out into nature, just taking samples and finding genetic sequences and then claiming that they're finding viruses and potential new diseases when they're finding nothing of the sort. So... I think they, you know, a couple of years ago when I looked into these guys, they said, you know, for the cool amount of 1.2 billion dollars, I think, that's all we need to give them. They can map out this global virome project for us and then tell us about all of these threats that we're supposedly facing and we'll keep facing. Now of course we know what it means because once they tell us what the problem is, they come up with the solution. And we've seen enough of that in the past few years. Uh, to know what that means. And this is, you know, these are the medical countermeasures that they always uh, talk about. So, in their eyes, the solution is more vaccines, uh, more bogus pharmaceuticals, more centralized control, and bringing in the biosecurity state. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's, as I say, hard to believe here we are that um, many people still haven't woken up after four years of the scam, that they have absolutely no scientific basis to what they're doing.
1: Interesting, Kevin, would you say that the new drive for MMR is all part of the same control system mechanism? it's
4: It's historically been the case, and uh, measles is you know a very good example of the fear that's been resurging all the time. And I think this is part of an industrial um, context. So it, it isn't just the u k HSA. It isn't just the government um, agencies. It's also based on a technology industry uh, that's manufacturing this fear porn and putting it out to the public through the government agencies. And there's a huge amount of um, money that is made from this that people may not see on the surface. Vaccines, injections, pills, pharmaceutical products, tests, you know during the, the covid scam we had the lateral flow tests and the pcr tests so there's a huge industry that is is capitalizing out of this and uh, it's just it's just humorous to see measles being repackaged as a killer disease when there's there has never been an isolated uh, particle uh, or one particular particle. If you go back to the original papers, like the Enders papers from the 1950s, there never was an isolated measles particle. So th- this whole uh, biotechnology industry is capitalised out of this fear. And I'm afraid that the government in the UK is hell-bent on pushing this out to the public. But you can see from the statistics, positive uh, aspect of this the the, the 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 really positive aspect is that people aren't buying it and that the people aren't coming to take up these injections they're moving away from it and uh, this is what the, the authorities are fearing that there's great resilience to these fear messages on behalf of the public and the people are moving away from uh complying with this and that is the biggest issue and of course as you've said in earlier it's all connected to this biosecurity state which we're now part of indeed public health in the uk is titled the uk health security agency so that tells you that this is all part of a wider uh, picture which is pushing out fear to the public and when people are frightened they tend to comply with public health messages and with government messages when people are more resilient and haven't outsourced their health to government agencies general practitioners the national health service or perhaps we should call it the national death service Uh, people will do their own thing, and they will will be more resilient and more self-sustaining. But I think you've also got to remember that there's an industry depending on this. There's an industrial context to this. The biotechnology industry is huge, and it's linked into Davos. It's linked into all the elite agencies, the global agencies like the World Health Organization, etc. And this is what's pushing this agenda and uh but the positive thing is i think that people have come away from this and um you know we've done a lot in the last four years to push this message out that there isn't any viral particles there are no viral diseases that this is all repackaged morbidity repackaged with a viral slant on it and uh Uh, Spokespeople like myself, scientists like me, have been talking about this since the 1980s when we had AIDS and the big AIDS scare, which again was existing morbidity that was repackaged to the public as something new and fearful in order to make people comply with tests, vaccines and injections.
1: Absolutely. Let me just hold that there one second. We're going to go to some news headlines and we will be right back.
2: News news there is a difference what's on the schedule for today a little less yappity app and a little more news yay
4: now
0: tnt radio
4: news Matt boyland here with a look at your tnt headlines u.s president joe biden has exploded into a fit of rage on stage in south carolina where he referred to his rival donald trump as a loser Meanwhile, the ex-commander-in-chief and a clear front-runner for the Republican presidential nomination has pledged to send reinforcements to Texas to secure the southern border if he's re-elected. And we're now being told the so-called eco-friendly paper straws are just as harmful to the environment as the plastic ones they replace.
0: Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio.
1: I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr. Mark Bailey and Dr. Kevin Corbett. And uh, they're helping us find our way through the viral maze. And uh, so... You were just saying, um, obviously, we were, we were sort of doing a, an overview of what was going on in terms of MMR and disease X. And you're all saying it's all coming from the same place. Absolutely. And, I, you know, both of you spoke out throughout COVID. You weren't late Coming out by any means whatsoever, because you were already onto it. So, can can you tell me, Mark, why is isolation of a virus such a long-standing and controversial issue? Surely, it should be very straightforward.
6: Yeah, well, absolutely, Sonia. And if we look back in the history of virology, we know that they were trying to isolate these particles and. Before they had things like the electron microscope, these particles were alleged to be you know, smaller than bacteria and other microbes, but they were convinced that they were there. And then with the advent of the electron microscope in the 1930s, they started taking tissue samples from people who allegedly had viral diseases, so like measles is an example that we just talked about, and when they looked at the tissue under the microscope, they couldn't find anything different. There was nothing to distinguish it. So they couldn't find any of these viral particles in anyone for any alleged viral disease. So then, since then, since basically you know, the 1930s onwards, they had to resort to pseudoscientific techniques, what we'd call indirect techniques, which should never have been validated properly. So these would include things uh, like Kevin talked about, you know, some of these tests that they bring in, whether they're antibodies or cell culture tests or genomic tests in the laboratory. But none of these have ever been shown to relate to particles which actually cause disease or go around as infectious entities. So the big problem is, is that, yeah, they can't isolate these particles. If, if they could, they would have. And we scientists like Kevin and myself, we've looked very closely at what they were doing over the last 100 years plus. And we know that they tried to isolate these particles. They went to great extent, particularly around the 1970s. They were really trying to purify disease-causing particles, but nothing eventuated. The particles they did purify and, you know, they thought looked like viruses were never shown to cause any disease. So when they yeah. did isolate something, it didn't make the definition of a virus. So they simply do not have anything uh, scientifically in the literature ever that shows that they have such particles. It's, all, it's not even a theory, to be honest. Like you may hear them talk about, germ theory or virus theory, et cetera. But if you actually apply the correct scientific terminology to what they have, they had a hypothesis. The hypothesis has been refuted in so many different ways now that it's unbelievable, it still stands. And the only conclusion we can come to is that there's a massive fraud going on with the medico-pharmaceutical complex. And as Kevin has alluded to, there's so much money involved and so many advantages involved to the various players, political and other uh, players on the world stage, that they're not going to let this model go. And what it's taking is what we're doing, which is just communicating scientific information directly to the public and saying, look, the journals are not going to publish this material. The institutions are going to continue to lie to you. The medical schools are not going to train the doctors properly. So we'll just communicate this directly to you. And we're having huge success, um, you know, with with waking people up, going direct to the public.
1: Indeed you are. Kevin, as I think uh, as way back in 2020, you raised concerns about the issue of purification with Public Health England. Tell us about that.
3: Well,
4: I was already primed to this from the AIDS era and the 1980s and 1990s when I'd worked in the the whole field and then I I was doing research and I started to realise that the basis, the viral basis to AIDS was actually flawed and there was no isolated particles. And this was through reading the work of the Perth Group of biomedical scientists in Western Australia. And um, they're called the Perth Group because they're based in Perth, Western Australia. And that really changed my thinking. And I found that there was no isolated particle that uh, was uh, behind the whole AIDS scare there was no viral particle that had been isolated by the conventional methods of virology itself so these were scientists coming out of the mainstream they're based within the mainstream and they were saying that the, the, the tenets the axioms of virology hadn't been used properly to isolate this particle and what was called HIV were um, stressed were the products, the phenomena emerging from stressed cells that were under, that, that undergoing oxidative stress in the body. And they proved this in many papers from the 1980s onwards. So this alerted me. By the time 2020 happened, I was able to email uh, Pres- Professor Zambon, who was on the Sage Group of Scientists, and have a dialogue with her, which is now on Christine Massey's website in Canada. And her dialogue with me showed that there wasn't any isolated particle called SARS-CoV-2. This was uh, basically a genetic genetic sequence that was modeled through various algorithms. And it wasn't actually identified from living patients. So again, this is the same issue. And, And just like the critique of AIDS and HIV, This comes down to the basic issues in virology, which has never been addressed since, really since the beginning of the 20th century. And the thing about virology is, to sum it up, it's basically a hypothesis that these things exist, and then they're assumed to exist in sample after sample. And there's never been any definitive proof to show that they exist. It's basically a projection into observations of an idea it came from germ theory uh, in, the, in the 19th century. And this is run again and again. So you've had fear after fear, fear campaign after fear. We've had we've had the AIDS scare in the 1980s onwards, which never came about, which never it didn't kill the whole world like it was predicted. And the same with COVID or CONVID, that this is again a creation of the industry the creation of the artefacts from the laboratory with no basis in scientific fact and this is quite hard to to tell people I think when the media and the propaganda and the whole infrastructure shapes and programs healthcare professionals to believe in the basis of virology, but a lot of uh, healthcare professionals have woken up to this especially in the last four Four years, I think this is the good thing that we can directly appeal to the public and we can create dissent from the mainstream. We can alert people to the information and people can decide for themselves. And that's what's been happening and that's what the authorities don't like. And that's why you've had this big push back to trying to get people to comply with vaccines, with injections with the so-called COVID injections, which you look at statistics, people are not having this, they're not buying it. And I think that's the major issue, is the market for these products is drying up rapidly. So you've had this great big fear campaign again and again. You had it with monkey pops a couple of years ago when the attrition rate from the COVID vaccine were huge, people weren't buying it. So they drummed up another pseudo epidemic and this is really quite tiring for us to see year after year, this uh, banging of the drum. And this is our tax money that's been put into this, Sonia. We're paying for this through our taxation. And this is the scandal of the whole thing. A lot of it is based on money that we've supplied through taxation. So we're, being, uh, we're having this fear put out to us through our own uh, governments and our own elected representatives. We are indeed.
1: Absolutely, truly atrocious. You referred, of course, to Christine Macy's work. I would, for for anybody who's not familiar, Christine issued Freedom of Informations Worldwide that showed that institutions were unable to provide evidence that SARS-CoV-2 had been isolated. I would also like to refer you to um, the long report, um, A Farewell to Virology, which is... um, at uh, https://drsambailey.com, I believe that's right. And I just want to thank you both once again for coming. I know it's absolutely exhausting to have to keep repeating this, but you know, if we must, we must. I I am very grateful to you both for joining me this morning. Everybody, Dr. Mark Bailey, Dr. Kevin Corbett, please check out their work. And uh, yes, we will be right back shortly after this break.
2: Anticipate potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. Hey, what are you talking about, man? Look at his stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom and your right to know about the world around us. Look, Some threats are obvious, some are easy to miss, but they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. ...justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org points to corporate mountains. Freedom of the Press is about your right to know. It's about your right to be informed. Today, no. there are real threats to press freedom. In areas. And your right to know about the world around us. We must protect our right to know, no matter what kind of news is important That's to you. Before it's too late, understand the threats, protectpressfreedom.org. This is the Sonia Poulton Show on
0: today's News Talk, TNT.
1: I am delighted to be joined by one of my favourite people to interview, Dr Bruce Scott. Uh, Dr Scott is, for those who are not familiar, a psychoanalyst and author of Gulag Caledonia. How are you, Dr Scott?
5: All right, Sonia. Thanks for having me on your new show. Congratulations. Thank you.
1: Pleasure. Good to have you with us. I always enjoy talking with you, Bruce, because you always enlighten me on issues that always seem a little bit murky. It was Bruce Scott who introduced me to the expression menticide. Tell people what menticide is if they're not familiar, Bruce, because it's absolutely relevant to much of our conversation.
5: Well, menticide is what people have been living through for the last three or four years. It's basically a form of mind control, brainwashing. Uh, cognitive manipulation how, how, there are lots of different terms for it but the uh, the use of fear propaganda etc uh, to uh, <clears throat> nudge people in certain directions uh, so we have to be very wary of it. We do
1: indeed and uh, you're here to talk with me about several things that are going on and hitting the headlines at the moment in Scotland of course there's the issue of conversion therapy What's conversion therapy Bruce?
5: well, it, well it's, it in in the scottish proposed bill it's it's, it's referred to as uh, conversion practices because conversion therapy is a bit misnomer really uh, it doesn't really exist at all uh conversion and therapy are two words that really don't go together anyways when someone comes for therapy attendance to their soul you know you don't you don't try to force con- to, to convert to something uh but essentially, uh, most psychotherapy, this is a disclaimer, most, all psychotherapy organisations in, in the UK and the world, I, I presume in the world, uh, there's a red line, you, do, you don't, you don't try, to, there's no one advertises to try and change someone's sexuality or gender. But uh, under the proposed legislation in Scotland, they've they, because the Scottish government don't have a definition of conversion therapy. There's a Freedom of Information request revealed this recently. What they are referring to is conversion practices, which they signify as happening in community, in churches, in families. This is where it gets very, very sinister. Essentially, the document is is uh, is, uh totalitarianism disguised as keeping society safe, and, it's, uh, and it infantilizes not only the general public but also people who identify as LGBT. Because they're saying in this in this uh, proposed legislation is that people can't go along to a church, for example, and consent to a prayer group to address sexual issues. You know, if they, if the pastor or the priest discusses sexual issues or or uh, does a sermon on sexual issues, that an adult cannot consent to that. But within the legislation, gender conversion for children a-okay it is a red flag on on, on, in the human rights uh, legislation i think
1: so that's the nub of this really isn't it bruce because the scottish government have done what they've been doing for the last five years and that is they, they 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 are being very hyperbolic they're saying that this conversion therapy or conversion practices ban is desperately needed to stop LGBT people from being beaten or bullied into changing their sexual orientation. But the studies that have looked at this have not really found any evidence that this is taking place. And if it's taking place, it was like one study which was able to cite three people, right? So why... Uh, but, but I know why. I know why. But so the nub of this really is about the issue of transgenderism, isn't it?
5: I think so. I think so. Uh, Malcolm Clark wrote an article on Spikes on Twitter. He 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 wrote a very good article criticising the research used for this legislation. But yes, because there's also other legislation. There's the uh, trans guidance in schools, etc., where children can you know identifies a different uh sex and uh you know there's 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 guidance in place where uh, you know if a boy changes his name to a girl name the, the teacher won't inform the parents this kind of thing and it, it's 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 very explicit in 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 the post doc the, the consultation document for this is that uh uh transgender conver- conversion isn't it's not regarded as conversion I mean that's a huge conversion to make in uh, healthcare clinics where people are oh, right. removing breasts giving people puberty blockers uh ch- so child children and young ad- adolescents can can uh consent to this but uh an adult lgbt person who wants to go to a church to listen to a sermon on something uh it is, is is regarded as uh, not being able to consent it's completely infantilizing
1: yes and the thing is what this really is about isn't it is just is to stop parents or therapists challenging somebody you know a child who says i'm transgender it really is to stop that which actually is a duty of care surely that's exactly what a therapist should be saying is is it accurate to for me to let this person believe that they've been born in the wrong body
5: Well, well, well exactly exactly so you know if you take the example of a school and this is this is written into the legislation as well uh, if a parent objects to transgender ideology being taught to their child at school, uh, or or objecting mm-hmm. to, you know, other issues in the school regarding sexuality, sex education, etc., uh, this can be flagged up in, in, under the legislation as being a at risk situation for conversion practices going on in the family household, and civil orders can be put in place to take the parents off. But also mo- even more sinister, there's also a kind of pre-crime kind of clause within within the legislation, which states that things can be assessed on the basis of risk, even though conversion practices have not yet taken place. But what does that mean? You know, so if a church, for example, who's a very biblical church and adheres to the idea of sexual sin and only sex before marriage is permitted, etc., will civil orders be put in place to shut these places down because they are deemed at risk or, or our families who are who are christian or or muslim for example will they be regarded as at risk even though con- any conversion practices so to speak as they define it have not taken place it, it is um uh, it is it is so dark because the people who've written this this document the experts so called experts the activists the uh, they, they never included any people in the book for example LG in, in the report LGBT people who have successfully changed I mean there are people who have changed their sexual proclivities their lifestyle Etc damn heterosexual and married that that's beyond doubt no one said people have to do that but they don't, they don't acknowledge it they also explicitly acknowledge that people can't change well that's uh nonsense as well so um uh, the the, the uh, it is it is uh, frighteningly sinister. The, the, the and these are the same people who who support masking children for eight hours a day. Right. These people support experimental mRNA technology jabbed into children. They support people who supported lockdown. Uh, they they keep saying that they want to keep children safe and protect them from the bad bad people. I think are uh, the other bad people. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I hear what you're saying and it is in, indeed sinister when you were just talking about that it reminds me of one of the things that many parents have said to me who have had their children taken off them in what is termed forced adoption is the reason often cited is risk of future emotional harm as if they're seeing things through some sort of glass ball or something and that sounds very similar same kind of language and I've already been contacted by people who have had Um, the local child welfare officers onto them because they're refusing to go along with their child claiming to have been born in the wrong body. So this is sinister, Bruce. This is really sinister. Again, this is about the state overarching and becoming the parent, isn't it?
5: Oh, it is. I mean, civil orders, you know, if, if you've got a civil order placed upon you under this legislation, you're deemed at risk and you break the order by I don't know, family objects to the child being taught that a boy can come a girl in the school. In the legislation, it's got a possibility of at least twelve months prison sentence. Goodness or me! Or twenty four months. Yeah. This
1: wow! I, mean, I didn't I didn't realise that. That's shocking.
5: Yes, for pre crime for breaking a pre crime order risk assessment. Wow! Uh, you know uh you know it's actually it makes me lost for words actually reading this that it's you, shocking you know these shocking. these activists they proclaim to be for pro-lgbt and pro-trans uh, uh i don't think they are uh michelle foucault was a famous gay french philosopher dead now but he ch- he was very very prominent in in, in gay rights and uh he, he championed the idea of free speech to be fearless to, speech to, to express one's views on lots of different things even if it was offensive, even if people didn't 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 agree he Says that was important for society for just not for just for uh, things on sexuality, but for things in science, for art, uh, culture, etc, etc. So he was completely against uh, the kind of uh, chilling of uh, any sort of sense of discussion and issues. So he'd be turning in his grave. It's it's a turning back of uh, liberties and freedoms, not just for uh, every, uh, LGBT, LGBT people, but for ordinary people, everyone. It is, Indeed. Uh, It's not the sort of direction of travel and society I think we want to go in, really. I
1: completely agree. Talking about which, what are we to make of the the Scottish COVID inquiry? Nicola Sturgeon, of course, she appeared last week. She's due to give a full day testimony this week. She called Boris Johnson a clown. She made a statement on X last week about her appearance. She said... uh, um, I do not intend to give a running commentary on the ongoing inquiry. However, in light of recent coverage, there are certain points I feel it important to make. She said that contrary to uh, the impression that has been given, the inquiry does have messages between her. And she said that she's not a major WhatsApp user because obviously there was all talk of, of her deleting or losing WhatsApp messages pertaining to COVID. What are your thoughts about what's going on there? She's She's not been having a good two years, has she?
5: Well, you know, there's a set. I get a sense of of, of kind of Truman Show or soap opera about this mm. this inquiry. The uh, the revelation during last week that Nicola Sturgeon said some swear words. I mean, that's really got the the Scottish nationalists. You know, uh, you know, jumping for joy that she can say the F word. You know, it's it the childishness. Uh, I think is just, and I think it's just. Uh, material for the masses to get excited about i think the 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 whole narrative of this inquiry is to make out these politicians are being incompetent that they they can't make decisions they're just swearing at each other the uk choir is the same uh people calling bad words to uh carl hennigan the 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 scientist and uh to get to the the pre-written conclusion i think that well what the what these inquiries have shown is that the politicians, how they handled the pandemic, was incompetent and not good enough. But so well, we should really hand it over, outsource it to a another organisation like the World Health Organisation for the next one, disease X, and uh, and these people, I think people, even people like Sturgeon, people like Matt Hancock, people like all the scientists, Jason Leach, they're playing a they're playing a role like an actor. Because you know they're not revealing these. What messages they are revealing, I think mm-hmm. are actually just scripts as well. To be honest, I they saw don't that reveal you'd this stuff that. to the public if they don't want to. Right. So I, uh, I don't buy it. I don't buy. It. I don't pe- people getting excited about Nicola sturgeon swearing. Is the least of their worries for what's coming down the line.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it feels a bit weak, doesn't it? Let me just look at some of the comments here. Um, would, what's this? Sturgeon has destroyed Scotland, says uh, Shug. Um, and uh, would, what's this? Um, Raycan said would have been the same result no matter who was in charge. And that's interesting because it's like a sense of almost destiny that it's almost irrelevant who is the figurehead, Bruce. Do you agree with that or not?
5: Well, completely. I mean, who's the use of you know? He's is comparable, or even worse than Nicola Sturgeon. Really, uh, you got to remember these politicians. You know, they're, they're 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 bickering about how they handled the pandemic. They never followed the rules. Nicola Sturgeon was masking children for eight hours a day. She, her heart sang when the Pfizer ex- uh, MRNA jab was approved for children. Knowing, knowing full well that the Pfizer data showed that there was a risk for children for cardiac issues. What sort of politician says that says those words that our heart sings? Uh, Debbie Schreider, the the, the, the uh, chief advisor, when she was she told news children in D B C News round that the, the Pfizer vaccine was a hundred percent safe, also knowing that the data showed that there was a cardiac risk. And behind in her, in in the picture when she was on Zoom. A picture of a little, a little girl with a, a heart-shaped balloon flying away, and a picture on the other side of the Superman, the Antichrist. These people don't say these words and have the symbolism by accident. Sturgeon used the words "My Heart Sings" deliberately. It, they're very dark people, uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't really buy uh, this, uh, this, the soap opera that's going on at the moment. So in the mainstream,
1: do, and does that does that in 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 your view apply to all of the COVID inquiries that they're really just actors playing a role?
5: Well, I think uh, I think they try to, to control the narrative that gets that gets uh, played out in, in the in the actual rooms. You know? you know, of course, in the Scottish one, there's been some very credible evidence from relatives, which I think they're really recoiling from. Right. Uh, where where they showed that relatives, of they're, they're, uh, of of people who were in care homes, they were starved uh, and they were uh, isolated from 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 visits, etc. I think I think a lot of these are very credible and real. It's just that the the, the, the you know the, the main players and the politicians, and of course, uh, you know how how much will will these relatives, their their, their narrative, be used to reinforce a kind of, oh, well, that's, we'll need the World Health Organization in the future right. to do this. Right, right.
1: Right. I have to stop you there, Bruce. More's the pity. This has been Sonia Poulton's show on today's News Talk. This is my guest, Dr. Bruce Scott. Always well worth listening to Bruce. I will be back tomorrow. Don't forget, you can contact me at uh, the TNT email, Polton at tntradio.live. Don't go anywhere. The formidable Abby Roberts is coming up very shortly. Take excellent care of yourself. Have a wonderful Monday.